Praise God. Thank you for that prayer, Lord, for giving to Brooke after at the end of worship. I uh, don't normally do this, but I am going to just give a shout of hello to my Nigerian brothers and sisters who um, gather to watch the messages, and I miss them dearly. Can't wait to see you, be with you soon. Um, This morning, you know, when the Lord gives a word to be released at a particular time, it is to plant a seed to bring forth something from that place. And it isn't, it isn't always known where that word's going to go because it really depends on the soil of your heart. It depends on your receiving of it. And then, um, like John the Baptist said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Where you make room for him, he can come in and use you. I love the words to the song that we just had, uh, Potter's Hand. Um, That was the song that the Lord used to literally open my heart to true worship back when it was just music and which was amazing because my whole world was music and singing and making an album with my sisters and doing you know concerts and conferences and I and all that time I didn't understand worship I didn't understand the songs were meaningful and I love Jesus but I didn't it wasn't unlocked to me what true intimacy with him is about. And so I, I love that song that holds a very special place in my heart. But this morning is a charge. It is a charge to be given. And I can only tell you by faith that I believe this is so needful right now. And so um, I'm first going to read a scripture and then we're going to pray. So if you, uh, I know we have the screen, but if you would also look uh, for your own self, and I would encourage you to write down the the scriptures that are given today. I'm going to give you a few different scriptures here and there that um, I want you to be able to take with you. But this is in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Short and concise. And this is the Apostle Paul's second letter to to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, 7 in the ESV, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Father God, God, we worship you this morning. We lift up the name of Jesus. Name above all names. You are King of kings, Lord of lords. You are the most high God. We praise you. Carry forth this word and use it how you will in the name of Jesus, powered by your spirit. I pray, God, that this verse would be able to be said of each and every one of us, that we have fought the good fight and that we have kept the faith in you, not some abstract concept, but The faith anchored in the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that would be able to be said of every single one of us. Even with choices we make right now today. 
Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just completely penetrate our hearts. As I prayed this morning before the women's class on behalf of Shannon delivering that lesson, God, I I thank you that when you release a word, it might be a word that is given corporately through a single voice, but when it lands, it is customized, it is personal, it is intimate for the hearer. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you do that, that you let this word land exactly the place where it needs to to cut deeper in each one of our lives, including my own, how you have convicted me through my own messages and lessons. You're so good. You're such a good, good father. And so I, I praise you for what you will do. We just give you full reign, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, to have this time as we exalt you in all that is said. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, amen. We are called ignition that was named by the Lord. And the, the tagline, if you will, is, in fact, put that up, not this. The tagline is an army rising up, right? This was revelation from the Lord placed within Greg's heart, even before I was on board with any of it, um, because I didn't quite understand. God just plowed the initial beginning of this this movement through Greg, and, and I'm so thankful because he had to go through a deep process of surrender and has only since then had to go deeper and deeper in surrender. And But it was interesting how the Lord did all of that, and I've shared that before in messages, and so has he. Um, even the flame that's, uh, that's there, and if you see the live version of this, this slide, it's, um, it's really cool. My nephew did it where it, it starts, did you have it, where it, it lights up? It's, it's that, uh, it's a different one, but that's really good too. <laughs> that's the love shield, which I'll talk about in a moment. But the Lord said that we are an army rising up. And that may land on you as, okay, I know what that means, that's obvious. But I, I felt compelled as I was just kind of asking the Lord what to unpack, what to deliver, what to say, what, what, are, you, what are you breathing on for now, for this moment. And um, so he had me look up the definitions. And, and I will tell you that it, it was also in line with what squeezes my spirit a lot in what's happening in this nation. You know, one of the ways that the enemy comes against um, the nations um, but even the children of God, is through this psychological warfare. There's a, there's, a, there's a narrative of ambiguity in words that are being used now in the media, in the corrupt media that is putting forth all these things. They're, they're wanting to basically redefine language so that we can hear something and we don't quite know what we're hearing. You know, when you use trans this and when you use... Um, you know, uh, all these, these words that they deem to be, you know, this inclusivity and this version of love and this acceptance and this openness. And it's all a twisted counterfeit of the ways of God. 
But what's interesting is if you ever, in some of the what, we, what they've called talking points, things that if you notice politicians kind of are, are um, many times little, little robotic yapping puppets that say these things that are talking points, and, and you're not allowed because of the corrupt media that, that the enemy got to be essentially in bed with the corrupt people in leadership. You're not allowed to define or question or challenge, well, what does that mean? What, what is that? You can't, they don't want to give a definition of what critical race theory is. They just want to tell you these general kind of vague and ambiguous statements and, and have you go, yeah, that sounds good. Well, yeah, sure. And yet the believer is to be discerning and go, what are you talking about? What is this? What are you saying? And so it's really important, you know, when we are um, listening to any voices, you're never going to be able to apply 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, casting down imaginations. Another uh, translation says proud arguments that come against the knowledge of God. How can you cast down what is a proud argument against the knowledge of God if you don't know the knowledge of God through through his ways and his definition of things and his truth. We really have to be saturated in the truth. And that the truth isn't, isn't just the written word. It's Jesus said, I, him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Intimacy and, and relationship with him is the truth that's revealed. And it ought to squeeze our spirit when we hear kind of these vague things. I mean, there have been demonic declarations that have been stated over this nation by this corrupt sham of a leadership um, stolen to be in their place that have been an absolute sellout for this nation. And many, many people, even in the body of Christ, didn't even recognize the magnitude of the declaration of a sellout and, and of a complete decision of destruction over our nation because it's all said with these flowery words that they're, it's like they're trying to literally redefine language for, for their own gain and their own purposes. And, and that's why we've got to be standing in truth. So I just say all that to say that it, it, I, don't, I don't want to use the word pet peeve, but my spirit was really squeezed at the fact that, you know, like I'll shout at the TV any day if something is said that's, you know, like, you know, I don't even want um, my, uh, as Shannon referred to, my reputation in the spirit when I'm by myself. Whatever the spirit realm is observing me, I don't even want that to be seen as in any agreement with something that I'm viewing. Something that's being spoken out in my household. Oh, no, you did not. I will not, you know, like I will, I will declare against it because, um, because it just, in every part of, of my being, I want, I want the enemy, the angels, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom I love and have lived my life for, to know whom I choose and whom I serve. I, I just all the time. And so we ought to have this, um, this heightened awareness of when lies are being spoken. But, I, but anyway, so I want to d- define, there was two words I looked up. And again, it might seem like, well, everybody knows what this is. But just hang with me for a moment. Army. We are an army rising up. So I looked up a couple definitions. An organized military force equipped for fighting on land. A branch of the nation's armed services that conducts military operations on land. 
a large organized body of armed personnel trained for war, especially on land. We are the remnant of the Most High God. We are being trained to take land from the enemy. We are being trained for war. We have the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty to the tearing down of strongholds through Jesus Christ. That's, that is the 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, depending on what translation you use. It, both many, many are great. But that's the definition of army. And then, weirdly, the Lord led me to look the definition up of rising, which might seem obvious to you. But it just, I just want to drive this home. It's to become greater, larger, higher, to increase. Increasing in size, amount, quality, or strength. Moving higher compared to previous levels. Advancing to maturity or high standing. Rising. That. We are an army rising. We are not an army stagnant. And by the way, we are not just soldiers autonomous from the group. There is a strength in a soldier. But the strength in a soldier beside other soldiers is the army. And that unified effort is what comes against and is greatly victorious. That is the way God set it up. And so all of these things, I just don't want this to get lost on you because as the slide was up before, what the Lord gave me this morning are the words passion to fight, passion to fight. Now, what was interesting is last week he had me in Isaiah 40 where it's comfort, comfort ye my people that John so beautifully read that entire chapter at the beginning of the message. The comfort is don't worry, I got this. But the I got this is the piece you have to step in. You don't get to just disengage and have me do it all. Now, you might say, oh, some of you that are sharp and know the word, you might say, oh, what about Jehoshaphat? I'm going to get into that very, very briefly. Because what fight looks like looks like a lot of different things. But the Lord gave me um, just an unpacking of perhaps something that might seem fairly basic, but I'm telling you what, whenever I need um, a, a, a focus of something that I believe he's placing heavy on my heart, he always takes me back to the fundamentals. Like when I'm in intense warfare um, and when he began to train me on my authority and, and really teach me what does it mean What's the result? What's the fruit of intimacy with me? It's that being a joint heir with Jesus Christ is walking in authority and power and, and what, uh, what Ephesians unpacks. You know, being able to, um, to have uh, tremendous, tremendous strength when warfare comes. But, but how he did that in stretching me to higher levels of faith and believing who he was and what he was capable of. He would always take me back to the beginning of, do you fundamentally believe that I love you? 
Do you fundamentally believe? I mean, really believe, not just receive intellectually, but believe so that it transforms how you respond, how you um, react to what you see in the mirror, that how you react to forces around you that may or may not treat you nicely. Do you, do you believe it to that extent that I sent my son Jesus to die for you because of love? I love you. And there was, it was really wild when I began to be trained in understanding my authority to, you know, for deliverance and casting demons and, and the releasing of angels and understanding things that the Lord would direct, always led by him and his power only. But, but what I was walking in, in Christ, the gospel of Jesus became so amazing to me and so precious and so much more um, highlighted because it starts there. It really starts there. And if you cannot answer the question, are you passionate, with a yes, then perhaps you need to go back to the gospel of Jesus. Perhaps you need to go back to the fact that there is none righteous, no, not one. And that apart from the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus on the cross, you, your righteousness would be as filthy rags. You can do nothing. Apart from him, you could do nothing, including being with him in heaven one day. And so the love of God is amazing. Now, one of my favorite verses about that, and this is in the Passion Translation, which I do love. I'm mostly going to be in the ESV today. But 1 John 3, 1 in the King James, which I had memorized most of my life, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon, um, upon God's people. I love the the. What manner of love? I love that language, but I, I want to read it in the Passion. This is the one I want you to take with you. Look, First John 3, 1 in Passion. Look with wonder at the depths of the Father's marvelous love that he lavished on us. The, um, the lavish love of God, when you soak in that, will bring such a passion to you because you know it says in first john 4 that we love him because he first loved us now again i've often said this but you know marriage is a picture of our relationship as a bride of christ as believers with jesus who's our who's our bridegroom and i know when i think about and and that has through the ages has gotten messed up and twisted and so now sometimes when you even say the word marriage it doesn't have a positive holy righteous good connotation because there's been brokenness and and pain and loss and unfaithfulness and things that have come in and and really messed with people's heads and that's what satan plan plan was i mean it was god designed that as a holy covenant and the enemy comes in to counterfeit it and and make people almost cringe when they hear it but in god's original intent and plan for marriage um i know when i when i think about spending time with greg you know when i focus on how much i love him and how much he loves me there it's it's like that's the that's the beginning part of that that fierce connection that we have and most recently i remember looking at anissa and waldo as they faced one another and said their vows in their marriage and 
just the, that moment where it, it's just, it's so thrilling to think of what I'm stepping into and what this, what this relationship means and what this covenant means. And it's, you're just, you're filled with this wonder. And, and yes, there is a, there is a vow that's made that's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, because there are things that come against the relationship. But, but that's why spending time, as we well know, spending time in a marriage and cultivating that love is so important to bring us back to that place where we have that passion. And I don't just mean a physical passion. I mean a passion of just that love passion. And it's the same with the Lord Jesus. If we don't spend time with him and recognize, receive his love, there is nothing more powerful than the love of God. If you have lost your passion, you have not soaked in the presence and in the love of God. If it's kind of, you know, or if it's just kind of, you just feel a little dry, the level of saturation that the love of God brings is so far, it's so far from dry, it's like it's, it's, a, it's a whole different dimension of understanding. When you are in the Lord's presence and you're worshiping him and you're just pouring out yourself to him, receiving his love, which by the way, as soon as you're receiving it, that's what gives you capacity to pour it back out to him. But it starts, worship starts with bowing low. It doesn't start with loving him. Whenever you think, well, okay, I, I'm trying to worship him, but I'm just, you know, I'm just so empty, it's hard to really give him something. Don't give him anything. Just bow before him. Just bow before him. Acknowledge that he is God. Begin to worship him as almighty God and lift up his name. Then he inhabits the praises of his people. Worship is, is the starting point to coming before him. And because of the blood of Jesus and because of the cross, he's given us direct, bold access to enter into his love. It's enduring. It's everlasting. And of course, the wonder, I love, of the depths of it. Also, I want to bring you to, in the Passion, Passion Translation, Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. In the Passion, it, Paul is, is praying for love to overflow. And you might think, well, what does love have to do with fighting, you know, the, uh, this fight in this army? It has everything to do with it. Everything to do with the fight is love. When I, it started with getting married and having a family just in a marriage. You know, when you get married, you, you have a family already, even before you have children. But then you, then you have a family, family when you have children. When I had my girls, even just Brooke, I remember the entire atmosphere of our home changed. It's like, okay, this is like, you talk about mama bear. You know, it's like you guys know Jenna and, and Shannon and, you know, having there's this you have this child. You have something to fight for now that, that kind of changes your not meaning to be, but your self-absorbed world that you, you have to give half. You know, you have to you have to give over when you get married. But when you have a children, it's like it's like the, what you pour in in motherhood, this this love. But but the fight, the mama bear, even that term mama bear fight, you know, like, don't mess with my cubs. It comes from love. What would we not do for our families? What would we not do for our children? What would we not do for our spouses? When you love, there is a passionate fight within you to protect, to fiercely protect. And when you love the Lord Jesus, there's this passion and fierce desire to want to protect and uphold and, and esteem his name and not let it get trampled on. And we, we have to recognize that when we lose that, 
there's a disconnection. There's something that's been allowed to get in to dull us because the very spirit of the Most High God that raised Jesus from the dead is actually residing within us when we accept Jesus as our Savior. That, that is mind-blowing. That's what Ephesians tells us, that, that the Holy Spirit that is sealed, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Greg says all the time, sealed when we accept Jesus as our Savior. That Spirit, through faith, through no holds barred, letting him just be within us all that he intended to be uh, from the beginning of time, when he created man in terms of why we're created in relationship with him is, is the, the place that it's like, we got to get back to what that even means. When that spirit is within us, it's like, that is, that is something that is, is the essence of passion. And so this is what Paul is praying for, for the, for the bride, for the ecclesia, the, the church at Ephesus for verse 14. So I kneel humbly in awe before the father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until the supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Verse 17, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then, then, verse 18 and 19, then you will be empowered. For what, by the way? For the fight. For the enemy. For what Adam gave away in sin. This fight. You will be empowered to discover What every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement. That deeply intimate and far-reaching his love is, excuse me, uh, then I, I... Copy this over. Endless love. Measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. The passion to fight is directly linked to the love of God. And one of the the things we have to be able to, by faith, receive is how much he loves us us that is the starting point of his use of any of our lives no matter what it is no matter how small the task or how huge the calling it starts with knowing he loves but you know what he's given us what's called the great commandment and by the way in that great commandment he asks for passion it's kind of a here's the here's the all-inclusive one and only thing i need from you you're everything. <laughs> in Mark 12, 30 and 31, Jesus is saying, hear o, hear, o Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And verse 30 of Mark 12, 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Have you ever loved something with every bit of strength within you? Have you ever poured out that amount of love? Some of us, in the fight for our families, in the fight for a spouse, for a child, have had gut-wrenching battles with the Lord. Just fighting in the Spirit. And it's not always a physical fight. I'm talking about going before God and claiming the authority as a, as a witness with, with your advocate Jesus, fighting the enemy off of them with everything in you. And it's, it sometimes is, it empties you out, sometimes fasting, praying. It's a combination. You know, when you're in intense prayer, it's a combination of your, your body fully engaging and your spirit fully engaging. But it's with all of your strength being poured out. Some of us know what I'm talking about. There is a loving God with all your strength that he asks from us. Pour it all out to him. Pour it all out. Everything you have. Because that's what he did for us. Is it not? That is what he gave to us. And so now we can love him as he first loved us. See, there is a power within a passion that comes from love. Now, one of the weird examples I'll give you, but it's an inverted kind of example, and it might sound strange, but, you know, law enforcement often says that one of the um, most volatile, intimidating environments to go into is a severe case of domestic abuse. When they are called to the scene where there's domestic abuse, it's like... Watch out. And we heard, not only, we heard recently of a, of a man that um, they, they lured the cops there, and this guy was threatening his wife, threatening his family to kill them. And immediately the guy turns, and I think he killed four cops. He just turns on the cops. And, I mean, you know, there are there's stories after stories after stories in the news of the intensity of those kinds of scenes that law enforcement are called to that are more than other scenes. And it's because there is a passion within a family dynamic that is supposed to be the passion that's pure and good and righteous and filled with love. But when the enemy gets in there, he takes the very passion of goodness and turns it to evil, but with no less passion. And you get an intense environment that is really unmatched. And... That's the kind of fight that I'm talking about. People that are even in this coming rising civil war, which you don't even have to be in tune with the prophetic or have a very discerning spiritual eye or, you know, be necessarily ear to the, to the heart of the father to kind of know that it's, it's on its way. It's pretty obvious now. The Lord told us early on. And it was, it was perhaps a little bit hard to fathom when he told us quite a while ago now. But now it is seen, it is said by leaders, there's preparedness things out there for, for the, the volatility in the atmosphere and the tension that everybody can feel. But I'll tell you what, um, part of why the Civil War is going to rise is because you threaten a person's 
energy source, food source, water source, and freedom for themselves and their family, and you got a war on your hand. People will fight for their loved ones. They will stand up and they will fight. And many times what they won't even necessarily fight for themselves to a certain intensity, they will fight on behalf of their loved ones. And there is, there is that, that truth, that reality stems from what the Lord Jesus designed to be the, relationally between himself and his people. And so you are called to fight. Now, if I were to read a, a current day news report, I would read it from, not a newspaper, but I would read it from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so let's look at the uh, Timothy News Journal. And in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 1, but understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be, everything could be turned to present day, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. I know you're thinking, well, wait a second. That's been for centuries. People have been that way. Okay, it goes on though. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal. Have you noticed the brutality? The brutality of and, and the twisted fog of the language that says, in this brutal act, it's really not brutal because what we'll do is we'll, we'll, make the, we'll make the baby comfortable before we end its life. And we'll call it this, this, this lovely, almost like a Disney word, infanticide. It's butchering, it's murder, it's death, it's evil. And I get sick and tired in my spirit of calling things what they are not. Let's call things what they are. One other little tangent before I finish these verses. So there was one case of hundreds of uh, a woman that had been arrested over a hundred times for stealing, just going into stores, just lifting whatever she wanted. And so she was, microphone was put in her face after she came out of being bailed, let go. And it wasn't even bailed out, just let go again. Got her, I don't even know what the, what the whole process is. If they just want to go through a spinning door, she comes out and, and the journalist said, so, so why, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep stealing? Oh, that's not what I call it, she says. And the journalist said, well, what do, you, what do you call it? I mean, aren't you a thief? She goes, oh, no, no, no. Now, now let's not call it that. She's, he said, well, what do you call it then? She says, well, I just call myself a professional booster. You know what? That is what Satan expects us to swallow. That if you call something by another name, you're changing the act. And we must reject it at the point of the narrative that lies to us. Not just the act before us, because part of the reason we don't even acknowledge the acts is because we're accepting this ridiculous lying language. We need to call things out with what they are. But I'll finish reading this scripture. Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
having the appearance in some circles of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at a, at a knowledge of the truth. And then it goes on to compare with what Moses dealt with, with the uh, competing powers of the Egyptian magicians. Because again, these are the days of the great Exodus, and there's so many things that send us back to that story in Exodus. But these are current day issues. And you might feel like, you know what, I mean, I'm just, I don't know who listening to my voice, whether it's here or not. You might think, well, yeah, but I, I get the whole fighting thing, but you know what, I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know, I just, I just want to, you know, I just want to love Jesus and I just want to love others. If you compartmentalize that loving somebody is not fighting for somebody, then your version of love is deceived. You're deceived because my love for my husband, my love for my girls is to fight for them. That is the essence of the fight is because I love them. As I said, um, in unpacking this, this love, but you can't avoid the fight. You are in a fight. Whether you are conscious of it and you're wrestling with anything in particular right now, like some of us know, yeah, I'm, I'm fighting with it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in a battle even in my finances. I'm in a battle with my, some of my relationships. I'm in a battle with my job. I'm in a battle with my health. And some of us are aware of the battles we're in. But do you know that the thief, John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes but for to steal kill destroy now the love the second part of that verse but i have come jesus said to give life and give it more abundantly but steal kill destroy you're in a fight for your very existence to rise in the morning there are people who are not counted among the living when the next day arrives so there is a there is there's a need to rise and take a stand to give him praise right at the beginning of your day. Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, destroy everything. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your ability to focus. He wants to steal your health, your movement, your clarity. You name it. The list is long. So if you don't think you're in a fight, then, then the fight you need to be in is that something's coming against your clarity. To discern the spirits. Because the enemy is never going, if you're sitting here and anybody listening to anything coming out of ignition, not because of ignition, not because of us, has nothing to do with humans. God put ignition in place. We were just honored to be part of it at all. But what God has put in place, those that have responded, you have stepped into a place of accountability. And so there is a radar that we are on in the enemy kingdom. And so there is a fight because he is sending resources. I don't even think I have to elaborate on that. I think most of us know the fight that we're in. But this great commandment is that we love him with all of our strength. Now, he gave me three things that this passion to fight is about. First of all, we make a choice. And Starting with the choice. Now, we know from Joshua 24, 15, this is at the end of the book. This is the last chapter when Joshua is, is saying, choose you this day whom you will serve. And, and he's unpacking with the people of Israel, you know, 
don't essentially don't just say it don't just don't just think that that you know you can say this or do that but really make a deep choice i mean it was his last charge to the people like this is serious you can go in you can take the land you can do this if you just choose so what does choosing even mean what does choice mean this this line in the sand i, I don't I, I want to try to be as clear as i possibly can choice comes not just from passively kind of seeing where you're going to land it's a choice is is a it starts within you but the manifestation of your choice always uh i should say your choice will always be manifested publicly and even in salvation there is a confession when you look at romans um 10 19 or excuse me 10, uh, romans 10 verse 9 it says um that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the um with the heart go to the next one for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation when greg and i got married it wasn't just so uh, you know we've gathered here together in the presence of these witnesses to join these two in holy matrimony and we know that they love one another and we know that they're committed to one another and so that's so great that we know that and so i just want you all to just enjoy this and don't they look great and okay why don't you go ahead kiss the bride and let's eat some cake no 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 you know there is a moment of repeat after me will you do you depending on how you word your your ceremony do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife do you take this man do you there is a choice to be made <laughs> he does and but it's it's a it's an out loud it's said in the presence of the witnesses there that's the very thing and in in all of heaven when you when you receive jesus you are making a declarative choice but there is continual choice not just unto salvation once you're saved you're just beginning and people often equate and i know greg has preached this before but people often equate salvation as being the relationship i will tell you um i knew greg we had a short awesome courtship but i did not know him like i do almost 34 years later we started first of all because we didn't have um you know we 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 weren't living together before we got married we started a relationship that was very very new you know it just in terms of what it looked like on a day-to-day basis so we entered into relationship it wasn't like boom marriage vows sign it i do kiss your bride now you're in this this relationship and and yes we were in relationship but not the relational growth that you have and that's the thing is when you receive jesus are you you're saved he's within you he's he's with you but then you grow and you as paul said work out your salvation by faith so there's declarations there's confession there's vows making the choice is really really important the second thing that he gave me is know your leader this passion to fight is always based on a choice choosing 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 and then know your leader know him get to know him so that you you know who you're following can you imagine 
if somebody joined the armed forces in the United States, okay, but then also because of dual citizenship, joined another armed forces in their home country. And so they, I don't, I don't even know legally what would be possible in that, but can you imagine if they, they joined all in over there and they joined all in over here? And some people have dual citizenship with some enemy, you know, some not friendly territories where they, where they have their, their citizenship there, but then they come and they get a visa here. Of course, again, not, not now that visas don't seem to be required in this nation with the border situation. But if you had two different commitments, it'd be duplicitous. It'd be, well, who... Who are you serving? Who, when, the, when the battle comes, what side are you on? You know, what, what leader are you following? You've got to know your leader. And by the way, you've got to know your enemy. You've got to know and not be ignorant of his devices. See, that's part of the, part of the job in an army are those that gather the, the intel, those that, that work on the higher levels of that army in, in command to strategize in an actual wartime situation attacks and, and gathering intel and, and all these. And that's the same way in the Christian world. We, we in, in, the, in the spirit war, rather, is that we, um, we recognize how the enemy works so that we can stand, we can see his tactics because he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But what Psalm 91 gives us in intel is when it gets to the middle end of the chapter, it says the young lion and the adder. It's talking about the young lion and the adder um, that, that you have to be careful of. And that always struck me because it's like we think sometimes we can play around with innocent things. Like if, if I saw a baby, baby cub. You know, you can roll around with a baby cub and just just have a blast. It's wonderful. But people naively don't recognize that what is within this animal is still a wild animal. And many people who take these things on as pets get mauled or even killed by their own pets because they, in their minds, still kind of just see that, oh, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. It's kind of like playing with fire. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get burned or it'll, you know, it might be hot here and there, but I, I can handle it. And, and the Lord is saying, don't play with that. Don't play with that, young lion. Be careful. Be careful. Discern. Discern what, what the enemy's ways are because he doesn't just hit you full on with evil. He'll come in in a very snaky way. When he was trying, to, when the enemy was trying to overtake Paul and Silas, he came and he used a demon-possessed girl who didn't say, "These guys are evil. You know, come and come and worship the the, the demons that you know of, of the God that I serve." You know, it, she wasn't going to be honest. There wasn't going to be honesty. There was going to be a snaky, slithery. These servants are the servants of the Most High God. I'm going to say all the right things, and I'm going to follow you for days and just feed you with compliments. But Paul didn't look at the human. He didn't discern in the spirit. He recognized, which he wrote himself to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. He knew that Jesus died and paid the sin, paid for the sins of this girl. But when he, when he confronted her, he was confronting the enemy within her. And immediately cast out. Because 
on the surface, if you don't discern the spirits, you just think, wow, we just got a new enthusiastic church member here. We got a new enthusiastic follower. This is awesome, you know. And if you keep ignoring it, guess what happens? The enemy goes through the ranks in a church. And before you know it, they're on the prayer team and they're saying all the right things. And then they're, you know, then they're, they're taking a position next to the top leadership and and now all of a sudden you're, you're just like, yeah, yeah, this is great. They're just so passionate, man. They're, they're doing all the right stuff. They're saying all the right stuff. Without discerning of spirits, you have no idea that it's a wolf in sheep's clothing ready to absolutely devour and all the while trying to devour along the way. And I've seen it happen. I saw it happen even for a, from a farther distance in a church in the Midwest um, this situation that ended up the, the witchcraft and the curses that were sent, sent were sent directly to the pastor's wife. And she, um, she, was, she was cursed with all kinds of things. She got cancer and uh, lost her life. I mean, it was an incredible kind of a thing. And the deterioration was simultaneous with her relationship with this one particular person that was, again, becoming closer and closer and closer and was given more and more and more effectiveness in the church. we got to open our eyes. we got to see in the Spirit. Part of our fight is looking to our leader. When we seek him, we'll find him. When we believe for him, when we know what that Holy Spirit within us represents, it represents power. And God is... Um, Willing to release that power. I, I find that when people struggle with the move of the Holy Spirit in a powerful way, they don't know Ephesians 3.20. Now to him that is, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever dare to ask or think. Um, that's a combination of translations. But I love, I love that because um, I know in the... In the um, ESV, it's now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him, verse 21, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you believe that the Holy Spirit, the actual same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, then what would he not do through us when we just believe him for it? That's the thing that he's needing us to recognize in our training. An army rising is an army training for the war. Now, we're at war, but the war is going to become very physical. The war is going to become very, um, uh, there's going to be a, um, a line that is so stark in what our dependency is on. We have been... We've been essentially covered by God's grace, and it doesn't mean that his grace and mercy is, is not always with us in some measure. But I will tell you that as a righteous, just judge, if you look in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the enemy launched a counterattack to come against what power was flowing in the church. If you notice the rise of the glory of God through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit also brought about great persecution for the church. If you think we're just going to enjoy this amazing, glorious power flowing without the resistance of the enemy, um, then you don't understand 
what the warfare really is. And, and we've seen it with our own eyes here in Ignition. When we've dealt with uh, situations of deliverance, literally many of our Tuesday night services a few years back, as soon as the Holy Spirit's saturation and power through our pouring out in worship was just in the, air, in the atmosphere, the demons within a particular individual would become so agitated, so overwhelmed that they would begin to just explode and fiercely come against, sometimes violently um, to others, sometimes just violently to the person that, that they were agitating. And it, but it came, it's like it, it rose as the Holy Spirit's power in the room rose. And we already see demoniacs all over in all of these, this, these radical protests. I've never seen such, um, such evil demonstrations of, of demonic um, actions and language than in this, um, this pro-choice uh, movement of, of these, the, some of the signs that they say, some of the things that they're not hiding any of their evil language. It's very interesting. Um, God is forcing them to, to define, so not, not necessarily through the snaky politicians and leaders, but, but through these protesters, they're just saying it straight out. Yes, yes, I want to kill my baby. Like, they're just saying these things straight out. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a shocking, evil thing. So, yes, it's everywhere. But what will happen in persecution to shut down the, the voice of God when it rises will, will be in persecution. And so, we have to walk in, in a boldness of who, we, who our leader is. We have to be compelled by love. You know, and when I think about how much I love the Lord Jesus, I mean, it was, it was his love for me and my love for him and wanting to be obedient that brought me to Nigeria in a place that while he protected me and has protected our group and our people there, everyone knows that Nigeria is one of the top most dangerous places in terms of general safety. But when God's love constrains you and sends you, you, you go, you step into the fight, you go where he has you go. And so we need not to fear that, that this fight that's at our door, that, that we've been dealing with, we are more than conquerors. That's why he released comfort last week. He said, let me comfort you by just saying, you've got this. But let me remind you, he's saying this week, get your passion Receive my love and fiercely defend who I am and who God's people are. Because this fight, we, it is necessary that we step into certain things. There is a call to arms, if you will. And that call to arms is not going, it will it'll look physical for everyone in one area, and that's prayer. For some, it will look physical in even more areas declarations, releasing a difficult word. We talked about it both yesterday and even in, in women's class that he will sometimes place within your heart an accountability delivery of, of a word to somebody that is not something you'd maybe be comfortable saying because his love for that person and what he's placed within you to deliver that last chance. It's like that warning, that last warning or that, that, Hey, I love you so much. I, don't, I want you to change the trajectory of your life. You know, God's love meets us where we are, but doesn't just leave us there. My love for my kids 
would meet them at the point of, of their either their failure or their disobedience or, or their wrong direction or their wrong decisions, but then helps them to not keep going that way. My love isn't just, oh, honey, that's just, I just love you so much. And, you know, and I, you know, whatever, whatever makes you happy, whatever just makes you happy and whatever you decide, that's going to lead a person right down to crazy town. And it's happened time and time and time again. I mean, enabling is to not love at all. If you really loved me, you, you wouldn't let me destroy my life. I mean, it's just like a child reaching to touch a hot flame. Oh, honey, I just love you. You know, I'm, listen, I'm here for you. I'm here for you as you put your hand in that fire and burn it. No. That you, you, honey, oh, no, don't touch that. Oh, no, no, that's hot. You don't want to touch that. Oh, no, you want to, you want to be very careful. And you, and you say it, it's correction, but it's encouragement. But then if there's rebellion, if there's resistance, it's like, no, don't touch that. I told you, you will be burned. There will be consequences with me if you touch it again. Now, sometimes continued rebellion, the disaster of the choice made is its own punishment, right? Because when there's resistance and they just are determined, then even after the correction and punishment given by you who love them, they sometimes have to go through it. And clearly, that's what the children of Israel did, because that first generation um, did not. I, I do want to take you to, um, to Joshua 24 to just point something out to you. In uh, Joshua 24, which I really wasn't going to do, so I didn't have my... Joshua, okay. Um, it's a, it's a, the end of Joshua's life, and he is, um, he is talking to the people. And it's, it's just, in verse 14, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. He's, he's giving them this warning. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, Joshua said, and my house, we will serve the Lord. You make a choice when you enter the military. There is a, there is a vow. There is a, a uh, what do you call it, an allegiance, an oath, thank you, an oath that you make that is very, very important because of being on the right side of things, being all in, being willing to go through obedience, and then they take you through the boot camp to see if you really, really are serious. It isn't just a take an oath, say it, and then you step into some, some leadership. No, until you're ready for that leadership, you're sent through rigorous drills. You're sent through things that break you down to find out if there really is a resolve against all the forces uh, of discomfort coming against you called boot camp. And um, some military branches, I mean, Navy SEALs is no joke. You know, they've shown some of the things that they put them through. And how, how bad do you want it? is your training, right? And that's what, you know, God, 
He, he allows sometimes um, the enemy who, who's constantly bringing, by the way, the enemy, while he does steal, kill, destroy, he's, he sometimes has a legal right to come against us. He'll, he'll, he's, remember what Revelation says, he, he is the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes the documents that he brings before the righteous judge is such that uh, 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 they've been involved in X, Y, Z, and they have not given it up. They've repented, gone right back to it. I have a legal document to come after them in that area. Because it has not totally been renounced and gotten rid of. And, and the Lord just, just said, you know, there's sometimes he has a right to, to take us to court, if you will. And we've got to then go before the Lord. And that's why every day there has to be the prayer of David. Search me. Try me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way. Why would, why would we want to do that? Because we just want to be put through the ringer? No. God, you who love me, see if there's something that I have not gotten rid of so that the enemy has no more legal documents to take before the throne to sue me. Because it's miserable to be bound in a lawsuit. Have you ever been sued? And just, I mean, just what you go through sometimes. And people have just had stories. It's terrible. Tying you up and tying sometimes up your assets and things like that. It can really be a mess. And if they have a right to do it, it's even worse for you. So when we go before the Lord, our advocate, our lawyer, Jesus, he's going to say, yes, I, I know exactly how to help you. I know how to help you to strategically be victorious. But you've got to be, you, you got to make sure that you're not disobeying the law in the sense of purity and holiness before me. Because I'll fight for you. And he fights for us. Man, he fights for us even when we don't deserve it. But Joshua said to the people, um, then the people answered him, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 17, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. So they said, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. Okay, but Joshua said again. He said to the people in verse 19, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He's saying, look, guys, this is serious. Don't just give me what I want to hear. You got to know that you know that you know whose side you're on. Because this is about to get real. You're about to step into a place where there are the descendants of Anak, the Nephilim, the, the demonic. There are inhabitants in the land that God has given you. He's not just letting you step into a comfortable pasture. He's going to take you with his victory into a place that's occupied. But I'm going to give you everything you need to take authority over that land. That is exactly what he's telling us today. We have the authority, but it is inhabited by the enemy. And that's why we are this army rising up to take land, to take land. So he says here in verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. This is the justice, the holiness of God in action. When I tell my girls obey now not so much Brooke anymore being out but when I tell my youngest this is the deal this is the rule if you disobey this is what will happen okay that does not make me an evil parent I you know 
when you're when you're on the receiving end of that and you're a kid you're like, mom and mom you know and i'm talking to my friends my mom is so mean she won't even let me go to this party tonight and you know and yet the warning of punishment is out of love and protection i love you so much that if you rebel against this this will be the punishment because it's going to be good for you to recognize what will happen and it will be far less bad than what would happen if you went and it got sucked into a world that you don't want to be in. And so that's what the Lord is saying in terms of doing them harm, meaning that it's not going to be comfortable. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Then he said, now this is it. You can't just say, yeah, okay, yes, yes, I really mean it, Lord, I really mean it. Back it up with your actions. Back it up with your actual choices every day. This is what Joshua was saying to them. Verse 23, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So he made a covenant with them and went into giving them some rules. Faith without works is dead. There is no room for hypocrisy or duplicity in an army that's moving forward. In fact, it is treasonous and it is, it is grounds for being dishonorably discharged when you are going to be seen to be not engaged or in any way fraternizing with the, the enemy camp. I mean, it's no joke. Those of you that have been in the military, I grew up in a military family. It is no joke to be in the military. I have two nephews that are Marines, and it's, it's, a, it's a very, very serious commitment that you make, and they take it seriously. And, yes, I know it's been taken over. A portion of it has, but we are going to see the true military rise, just saying, uh, fairly soon. Some of you know what I'm talking about in terms of what God's doing in this nation. Um, even though uh, there's, been a, there's been sellout and sellout and pressure and pressure and a, and a depletion of our resources. And um, God, again, is in complete control. He's allowed it because, quite frankly, it is not our physical military going to protect our nation. It is going to be Lord of Heaven's armies that's ultimately going to be protecting. God will use our military just like he will use our anointed chosen president whose place at this moment was stolen from him. But, but it's going to be God. He uses people. He uses his people. But, and, and he uses people that don't even know him, as we know in the case of Cyrus in Isaiah 45. But it is going to be God. It's just God. But where we engage is we make a choice then we know our leader, thus knowing our enemy. And the last thing is we get vision. When you make your choice and you know your leader, and through knowing your leader, you learn your enemy strategies, you're also going to get vision released. See, God has a hope and a future, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. He's always forward thinking. He knows the end from the beginning. So He's, he's got this, this great plan for us, this great destiny, and we need to get this vision. That's why prophecy is just so plentiful right now. He wants to encourage us to see that if we just seek him, there is no age minimum. There is no age uh, that's, that's too far gone. There is no physical ability. There is no limitation you could bring before him legally 
that would be an excuse to not allow him to use you the way that he chooses. He wants to use us. In fact, if you have every limitation, humanly speaking, won't he just get that much more glory? Won't he get the glory if, if he uses somebody who's not skilled and able in this realm? He only gets more glory because you're just going to go, I don't know how that happened, Lord. It's just, it was just you. And I, I can say that time and time again. He will always, and, and we know that we know it, but, but these are things that we have to fundamentally step. We can't just, yeah, 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 boy, he, he equips the called, you know. He doesn't call the equipped. And, you know, we kind of spit these little phrases out that we know. Yeah, I got that bumper sticker on my car, man. That's a good one. Do you step in that when you have no equipping and yet you're feeling a prompting that is telling you to step and to do something? Are you, are you proving your choice every day by listening to his voice, by being obedient? Because, you know, the simple fact is, and I'll just use something that's kind of universally known. If you choose to go on a particular diet plan, but then every day what you eat is not on that plan, then guess what? You did not choose to go on that diet plan. I mean, that's just a reality. So what you choose, the manifestation of it will result in steps of faith, right? If you believe, if your life is laid down before him, then you will be seeking him and you will be obedient. And the wild thing is that he will place within you ways he wants to use you that you not only never thought of, but you did not even think you wanted or liked. (laughs) we know that somebody in this room is shaking their head. It's like, and I mean, that was me with Nigeria. What? Nigeria? I mean, I followed Greg to what I thought was just going to be kind of an oversized college ministry, you know, eight years ago. And it's like, I had no idea. Nigeria wasn't on my radar in any of my wildest imaginations. But Psalm 37, 4, don't get that mixed up. He doesn't just give you your desires. That one is, I've said it a million times, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Remember, we see that as, Lord, this is what I desire. So, Lord, I'm going to seek you. So just, oh, I'm going to trust you that you're going to give me what I desire. No, that's part of it. Because he has sometimes already placed within us, sometimes from childhood, something that burns within us. But the other part of that verse is, Lord, I'm delighting in you to actually place within me a desire I don't have right now. Because if you want to use me in that way, I'm not going to tell you, oh, well, okay, but I don't want to do that. That's, but that's not, like, I, I sing. I don't talk. I, I, I sing, like, that's, that's what I do. Like, that's my lane. And he says, no, you're going to teach, preach, speak. You know, like, we don't, even, we don't even sometimes see it as rebellion. We just kind of get stuck in the limitations of our humanity. And the Lord is saying, man, back it up. Every day, choose me, choose me, choose me. Trust him. Whatever he places within you, he is going to fulfill you. And I know I've said it, but this is the essence of this fight. Because if you don't receive this, if you don't surrender and submit to this, you will not be a victor, like Timothy said from our theme verse at the beginning. I have fought the good fight. I have finished, run the race. I finished it, and I'm going to get it right. Pull it back up there if you would. In the the ESV, 2 Timothy 4, uh, verse 7. 
I just want you to see this again. It's such an important verse. And, and it's really, this was at the end of Paul's life. And boy, did he fight. It was a fight after fight after fight. By the way, empowered fully by the Holy Spirit. He saw miracles, signs, and wonders. But he experienced persecution. I'm telling you, persecution is coming. We do not even recognize or could fathom the persecution that's about to come. But there are little signs of it if you're paying attention. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Don't you want to finish the race? Wouldn't it be just a tragedy to get close to the end, the finish line of, of this faith walk and just shrink back and just be like, yeah, I just, you know, I, it was good so far. Oh, wow, no, because it's not even about this life. See, when this life is irrelevant, except for our obedience and how the kingdom of God is advanced, then we get to see clear-eyed. We get that eagle's view. And persecution, you know, you can read Matthew, I think it's 23, with, with things that are coming. Um, because all these things in 2 Timothy 3 result in what will come against us, the brutality, the things. There, is a, there was a woman in Norway um, that was uh, leftist, feminist, you know, all the way voting. Really just her life was devoted to women's rights. And so all she did is put out a tweet that said, in, and again, she's not as Christian. She's, you know, ungodly, not saved. Although I saw a spark of, of the, what God is beginning to do in these people. She puts this tweet out that says men, and it's just, it's kind of laughable, that men cannot be lesbians. Men cannot bear children. And she is now, the authorities have come against her, and she is facing three years in prison for hate speech. For stating an absurdly obvious statement. And she was interviewed, and, and again, it wasn't like she's some right-wing, whatever, you know, camp you want to put her in. She's like, no, I'm, I was leftist all the way. You know, she's into all that. She said, I'm just, a, I'm just a pure feminist. I just fight for women's rights, and I'm stating something that's obvious. She said, and now I'm fearing for my actual life. And when you see this happen in other nations, don't think that those things for far more important statements of truth that God's people will say. I mean, that's just a secular, you know, person that doesn't even know the Lord. But you know what God's doing in that situation? Is that this cause, this leader that she was following unknowingly was not for women's rights. Satan is not for women's rights. He is the steal, kill, destroy leader. And guess what? Now God's beginning to tear back this veil of deception that all these women's rights aren't really, you know, when when you allow somebody that's some trans man to be winning all the competitions in swimming sports, how are you then being supportive of women in a very specialized sport lane? You know, there are things that are now being exposed for the laughable lies that they are. And people are waking up and saying, wow, what I was always for and what I always thought that this cause was about really isn't about that. And it's causing them to rethink and go back. And you know what? This is our opportunity to speak in the fight, to declare, to stand, to declare and, and, and just begin to make basic statements and not shrink back. Because guess what? If you have to um, suffer a little bit of persecution for stating something that's that basic of a truth, then you know, we, we, need to, we need to really get ready because um, 
it's just going to happen. I mean, the battle of Roe v. Wade um, is, is only beginning. And wait, just wait until the, the battle of, the, of the, the gay rights is come against. Uh, you know, what God will begin to establish in holiness of what he designed to be only between a man and a woman um, is going to be a, an enormous battle. Um, the enemy is just raging. And he's, he's, so these are things that he's saying we need a passion to fight. But see, if somebody was coming after my family because of my fierce love for them, I don't really assess the cost a lot for myself. It's, it's that I just love them so much. I just, it's like, what would, what would you not do? You know, women that shield their babies, not even, not even thinking of themselves when something is coming. That's, that's the kind of love that, first of all, the Lord has for us because he gave himself for us, but that then that we have for him. And when you have that love, it gives you that boldness. There is no fear in love. First John talks about, there's no fear in love. That's why he's given us Second Timothy 1 7, not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Those are the three things we need for this fight. So I just want to encourage you, make your choice. And I don't, some, you have, it's not about that. I'm talking about make your daily choice. Make the choice that the, the manifest choices of what you believe is your your main choice and, and Shannon delivered it so well in ladies class that, you know, your surrender is, is only as powerful as your last choice you made. Okay. If, if Greg's going to be faithful to me, he's only as faithful as he is every day to me in our marriage. You know, you can be faithful for, for 20 years and then all of a sudden be not faithful. And guess what? I don't have a faithful husband. You know what I mean? So it's like every day the faithfulness is important to walk and abide. And it doesn't have to be in our strength, praise God. It can sound overwhelming to think, man, alive, I have a hard time getting up in the morning. You're telling me i got to fight? Remember, it's submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The submitting is the fight. Sometimes it's just the fight of, yes, Lord. I don't care what it is, just yes. That's part of the fight. That's one of those manifestations of the fight. I won't do this to my, I won't say this. I won't, um, I won't be involved in this. I won't engage. I'll speak when I'm supposed to speak. I'll be quiet when I'm supposed to be quiet. I'll take care of my body, my finances. I'll, I'll be obedient as you. It's like that song, spirit lead, spirit lead me. You know, I'm not going to let emotions lead my life. I'm going to just let the Holy Spirit lead. So I'm going to just close right there. And um, don't forget that. The battle is the Lord's. That's from the story of Jehoshaphat. The battle is the Lord's. And he is fighting for us. I did say I'd mention that, but he is going to fight. Sometimes the fight is just to stand, which is what he told Jehoshaphat's armies that were far outnumbered, to just stand firm and watch the salvation of the Lord, because it is the Lord's. Obviously, David stepped into the fight, but didn't the Lord do it? Because seriously, a stone against Goliath was a little absurd. But he still used David and he can use the sweetest, quietest prayer that is a fire force in the spirit when we put our faith behind it. So let's pray. Father, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that it is worth it to step into this fight. God, that as you pour out your spirit and that the enemy will rise with a counterattack 
to, to try to come and persecute the church, God. But, but as we stand in victory by the power of your Holy Spirit as more than a conqueror, an overcomer by our faith, God. Oh, God, we will do great things, great exploits with you, Father. And I thank you. I just thank you for that. I thank you, God, for the great healing that is coming. I thank you, God, for the deliverances, the salvations. God, just the awakening, this great awakening that you are you're releasing this word to literally do. You, ignition is about igniting a fire that is already a spark by your spirit within the believer who's asked Jesus into their heart. And you want to ignite it into a flame, a raging fire that spreads throughout the entire world because of your love. It's all because of you love. Thank you that you gave us this love shield, the shield that represents the reason we're in the fight is because it is the great commandment, loving you with every fiber of our being, but then loving one another, loving our neighbor as ourself. So, God, I just pray that you would help us, Lord. This is not a a raw, raw message. God, this is a charge. It is a call to arms. And only you, Holy Spirit, can rise within us as we allow you to, to bring a passion to fight. And we are already victors when we just allow you to do it. Because if you are for us, who can be against us? Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've called us to do and to be, God. Help us to seek you for that vision, for the clarity on our portion in this fight, where we're stationed and what our assignments are in this army. Help us to seek you for that vision. God, you are so good, and I thank you. Thank you for what you did already today. As he is seven hours ahead of us in the Middle East where he is. But God, what you did through Greg today. I can't wait to hear. Just. There are no words. You are so high and your assignments sometimes are beyond our comprehension. Oh, but God, you are. You are making and setting things right. You are bringing your remnant together. You are doing such great and mighty things. Things which we know not, Jeremiah 33, 3. And I just praise you for it, God. And I thank you, God, that when we say yes, you can actually use us to be part of these great and mighty things that you are doing. Let us not doubt ourselves. Let us not um, limit what you want to do because we're not saturated in that love. Because, oh, God, it is only your love that allows me to say that I can do all things through you it is only your love because when i'm loved it just there's just there's just nothing that i wouldn't say yes to that's that's what that's what is the absolute power of your love and so i just praise you and i pray that and i release that over every single one listening this morning that in the name of jesus we would connect the love of you lord jesus to the intensity and the passion of the fight you've called us to be in. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.